Welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. I want you to know that I am married to a battle-hardened warrior queen. You see, last May, Lori was diagnosed with breast cancer. And those uh, summer months of uh, May and June, um, all the news we received kept getting worse. Started off being something simple that could be removed and everything would be fine. And then it just kept getting worse. It was um, an aggressive type of cancer. It was something that came up out of the blue. It wasn't in her genetic uh, heritage at all. It was just there, random, it seemed. And it had uh, spread to one of her lymph nodes. And so we were rocked by that news. We prayed. We prayed for healing. We prayed for a miracle. We prayed for the elimination of cancer. And as we were praying, not only with each other and by ourselves, but with the prayer team, Lori and I both received a word from the Lord. Lori received a word of life. And I received a word of peace. And Lori had to go through the whole treatment process. Her oncologist here in Sterling was the first person that spoke a word of life over her. He said, I can kill this cancer. It responds well to chemotherapy. And that was the first word of life that we had. We had other signs along the way. There were yellow butterflies that showed up in our backyard, and it seemed that everywhere we went uh, in the course of treatment and medical procedures that there were yellow butterflies everywhere that we went. And uh, that may seem uh, trivial to you, but we took that as a sign of hope and encouragement and God's presence. One evening, there was a knock on our door, and we went to open it, and there were the men of Hope House standing on our front yard, and they had this huge, gigantic card that they had made, and on it were words of encouragement that they were standing with us uh, in prayer, and and that was such a, a blessing for us to know that there were people surrounding us. Lori had received uh, uh, an image from God uh, that she was going to pass with flying colors, and Deb made us a streamer and mailed it to us, and we have that up Uh, on the picture window in our our sunroom so that every morning we can look out and not only see the yard and the birds, but we can see those reminders of flying colors that that we are receiving of victory. God met our needs along the way uh, for people to walk with us, uh, for doctors and nurses who cared about us personally, for a mentor that had walked through breast cancer to join with Lori. And for resources when ours were depleted. And and for complete healing from cancer. Four weeks into chemotherapy when she was was halfway done. They did a diagnostic test, a, a PET scan. And they discovered that the cancer was completely gone. That Lori had received a complete 
pathological response to the treatment, and the cancer was totally eradicated. And we were celebrating, and yet Lori still had to go through the whole process. All of us uh, face hardships. Uh, the world is filled with difficulty. There are, are difficult people that we meet from time to time. There are certainly difficult circumstances that we are a part of. There are difficult seasons of life that we pass through. And certainly there is loss and grief that we experience. And resilience is coming back to the normal state after intense pressure. Paul describes such a, an experience for his own. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he talks about what it's like to be resilient. And he prefaces that by speaking of the treasure that we have in jars of clay. And he writes these words, 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 10. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Over the course of the last few weeks, we have been talking about resilience. And that very first message that Pastor Ben re uh, presented to us talked about endurance and perseverance and resilience. And endurance says, I am still standing. And perseverance says, I will continue. And resilience says, I am my whole self. And then last week, he talked about resilient faith, a faith that not only contends for what God can do, but a faith that remains loyal even if God does not act as we desire. So this morning, I would invite you to get your Bibles out. Maybe they're on an electronic device. I would ask you to get that out and hold it up, and let's pray. Loving God, we thank you for your word that gives life, uh, your word that is the foundation of life. We ask, Father, that you would give us open ears and open minds and open hearts to receive what you have for us this morning. We thank you for your grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we're going to be looking at Acts 4, starting at verse 23. But before we get there, I need to kind of set up the story a little bit. And it opens with uh, chapter 3 of Acts. And Peter and John are on the way to the temple uh, to worship. That seems to be their normal habit and pattern. And when they get to the temple, as they enter by the beautiful gate, uh, there is a man who is there who is begging for alms. He's lame. And he's been lame for 40 years. And that's his spot, his territory, his, his claim on that spot uh, to beg alms from the people that pass by. And, and he looks at Peter and he asks for alms. And Peter looks back at him and sees him and says, silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise and walk. And the man gets up, and not only is he walking, but he is praising God and dancing and leaping as they move into the temple courtyards together. And the commotion and the stirring, because uh, many of the people have, have seen him over the course of 40 years and know that he's lame, and now he's dancing in their presence, and they wonder what's going on. And Peter uses that sign and wonder to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And so he preaches to them about who Jesus is and how they killed him. But yet God raised him to life, and he is their Messiah. And 5,000 men repent and are saved. 
In their context, in the first century, what that really means is that 5,000 households came to the Lord. Their whole families repented and turned and were saved. And so there is a great celebration of what has happened. And you would think that the story would go from this victory to another victory to another victory, but that's not how it goes. Because almost immediately after these people repent and are saved and come to faith in Jesus Christ, the police show up. The palace guards show up. And they see what's going on and they arrest Peter and John and the man who's lame. And they throw them in the prison in the jailhouse, and they're there incarcerated in a cell waiting for the morrow when they'll come before the council and their case will be adjudicated. And so they are there overnight. Sometime in the night, the prison doors are opened. Peter and John and the lame man are released. And they go into the temple and they are there worshiping and praising and speaking. And in the morning, the council calls the police and says, go to the cell and bring these people to us so that we can judge them and condemn them. And the police go, and the cell is empty, and they don't know what to do. They go into the temple, they find them, they bring them to the council, and the council speaks a word of condemnation over them, seeking to intimidate them, seeking to cause them to be silent, to not speak or teach, or heal in the name of Jesus Christ. And the apostles refused to do that, saying that their loyalty is to the Father and that they need to continue to speak in the name of Jesus. And then Acts 4.23 through 31 is the story that I want to look at this morning. When they were released... They went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly, in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord... Look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Resilient prayer rests in the Father's sovereignty. Verse 23 of this story opens with the apostles going to their friends. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. Community is so important in nurturing and developing and supporting resilience. And the apostles needed community just like we do. I find it interesting that the apostles 
didn't just take it upon themselves to stand with Jesus and, and pray and, and be supported. They went to their friends. They went to their community and they reported everything that had happened. Lori and I had our community around us. It was not just our family, but our friends, our church prayer warriors, our church family. We had people that went out of their way to encourage us. We had people who could and did step into our darkest moments and bring life-giving words. We had friends who just dropped by to pray. We had family and friends who sat with us during the infusions. You might think that that's just a simple process, but it takes about five hours for that to happen. And uh, those hours in the infusion room can be pretty lonely if you're all by yourself. But we had friends that came and stayed with us and supported us and encouraged us. And we would not have made it without such encouraging relationships. The second thing that happened, verse 24, is that they prayed. And I want you to notice that it's uh, not just the apostles who are praying here. Uh, verse 24 says, and when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. This prayer that was lifted up was not led by the apostles. Peter and John and James and the rest of them didn't say, let's pray. It was a prayer that rose up out of the people spontaneously that the congregation prayed for the apostles. And it rose spontaneously from the people. It was organic. And it was a prayer that was prayed with victory in mind. Psalm 2, 1 and 2 is what they prayed. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord, against his anointed. They prayed knowing that victory was in their hands. They didn't pray as victims forever anchored to this moment of opposition by the council, stuck in that moment of, of being uh, opposed. But they prayed as victors, knowing the opposition was real, knowing the opposition was determined. But they prayed as victors because they knew and understood the power of God. They understood the sovereignty of the Father, that the Father is our King that he holds all things in his hands. That means that God is bigger than circumstance, that God is more powerful than those forces arrayed against us from time to time, and that he alone is in control. If you read through Psalm 2, you'll come to that place in the heart of the psalm where God actually laughs at the people that think they have so much power in this world. Because in reality, God has the power and they don't. And we need to remember that, that God is sovereign, that he's the one who's in, in control. And so the opposition is limited in its scope. Sure, they could arrest, they could threaten, they could be determined to do harm to the apostles and to the church. But it is the Father who sets the boundaries and the limits. Verse 29 points out to the fact that they prayed asking for boldness. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. You see, they prayed not to be delivered from opposition, not to be delivered from persecution, not to be spared from the negative consequences of the council, but rather they prayed for boldness. 
to pray, uh, that they prayed to carry out the assignment that had been given to them by Jesus. They knew they were to be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. And they prayed for boldness that they would continue their assignment, that they would continue to stick with what they knew they were to do, to preach, to teach, to heal in the name of Jesus Christ. And they were trusting that God would work the signs and wonders that confirmed the message. We said many prayers for Lori. Lori prayed. I prayed. We had the prayer station team pray for us. We had our extended family praying. And these prayers held us. There were times when it felt impossible. And in those moments, Lori discovered that she could rest in the prayers of God's people. There were moments when Lori was in so much pain from the treatment that she was in despair and she was in a a dark and lonely place. And, And I recognized that I couldn't speak words of encouragement to her. I didn't know what to say. I could barely comprehend what she was going through. And and I didn't have words that would encourage her. But I knew people. I knew people had been through something similar to what she had been through. And it was those people that I called. And I said, Lori is needing you now. She's in a place and I don't have words to speak to her. Would you call her? Would you come? Would you visit with her? Would you give her encouragement? And they came. And her spirits were lifted. We prayed for healing. We wanted to avoid cancer. We wanted to have it removed And we wanted to receive a miraculous healing, but we didn't receive that kind of miracle. By going through the process, our father did remove the cancer completely, and we did receive the courage to move forward, to recognize that we were called to go through this trial, and that there was something important to be gained in humility, in obedience, in trusting. And we learned that cancer had happened to us, but it did not define us. We did not live in cancer. We lived with the Father moving forward. We learned to pray and act with purpose. Every chemotherapy session that Lori went to, she didn't go to receive a treatment uh, from the nurses. She didn't go there to receive something. She went there with this purpose in her heart and in her mind and in her will. She went to kill cancer. That's why she was there. That's what she was about. And that purpose was fulfilled and the cancer died. Her her mind was set to battle this disease. And she was trusting that the father was by her side and that he was in control of the outcomes. And so we began to turn away from this moment and look to the future. How this experience would provide comfort, guidance, assurance for someone else going through this cancer. How God would use this event, challenging, terrifying as it was for us, to be a blessing for others. And in verse 31, God uh, the Father answered in power. And when they had prayed, the place which they were gathered together was shaken, 
And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. The building in which they were praying was shaken. The power uh, was poured out upon the people. The Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit power was present in that place and the whole building was shaken. The council tried to shake the apostles to threaten them, to silence them, to diminish them, to intimidate them. But God shook the building where they were and the power of the message was affirmed. It's truth and power manifest. It's grace and love on display. It's offer of hope made real. And the council was shaken instead. In Acts 5, uh, verse 28, after another uh, bout with the council in prison, the council said these words to the apostles, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. They were shaken. The council was shaken. They were intimidated by the power of God. And so the Father offers us encouragement this morning as well. 1 Peter 5, 10 through 11 says this, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. The promise is that when we go through suffering, when we go through hardship with the Father, that Jesus will come to us and that he himself will restore us, that he himself will confirm uh, us, that he will strengthen us, and establish us. And that's the work of Jesus. Indeed, that he will bear us on eagles' wings. Isaiah 40, 30 through 31. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall uh, fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. It's a picture of restoration. It's a picture of rest on the breath of the Father. Resilient prayer rests in the Father's sovereignty. The apostles went to their friends. They prayed together. They prayed for boldness. And the Father answered in power. I would invite you to stand as you're able this morning. Worship team, would you come up on the platform? I want you to know and understand that the Lord takes us through distress. What would it be like to know that the Father is with you right now? Whatever you're going through, whatever your circumstances, that the Father is present. 
that he is in control of all things. What would it be like for you to know that he will help you fulfill your destiny? That you have a purpose and there is a plan and that God is there to help you walk into it. What would it be like to understand that you're not alone? That you're surrounded with family, that you're loved and significant. What would it be like for you to experience God's peace during your hardship? To experience God's life in the middle of your chaos? To always experience God's presence? What would it be like for you to experience the Father's restoration? To experience the Father's affirmation? To experience the Father's strengthening. To experience the Father's establishing of you on a sure foundation. What would it be like for you to experience renewal as you rise on eagle wings? God has a purpose for all of us to trust his presence, to let his uh, breath lift us, to let his word affirm and establish us so that we may be filled with boldness. Would you pray with me? Oh, loving God, we thank you for Jesus who has come to us, who is present with us, who speaks words of encouragement, who strengthens us, restores us, confirms us, establishes us, and places our feet on a firm foundation. Father, I ask that you would establish your people through Jesus. Father, I ask that you would move with us through whatever the things we're experiencing in our life right now. That your present presence would be with us. That your power would flow over us that you would move us through what we are experiencing so that we can become a blessing for other people. Father, we thank you for our congregation and for what you're doing in our midst, how you are giving us boldness as you manifest your power in this place. Oh Lord, we thank you for your grace and love. In Jesus' name, amen got some action steps for you this week. First of all, I want you to identify the difficulty that challenges you. And then I want you to share that with a trusted friend. And then together pray together for God's power to be manifested. Amen? Amen.